Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Black Hawks Live. Whether you're the casual hockey observer or the epitome of a rabid Hawks fan, Black Hawks Live answers all your questions. You know, they obviously turned up the heat on us, and uh, we just kind of clammed up. Uh, I didn't think we were moving our feet. Joe Brand delivers the news, notes, and everyday gossip from the Madhouse on Madison. Here's Joe Brand. We are almost at the 24-hour mark at the finalization of what took place last night at the United Center. And I still don't think I've completely soaked it all in. What a moment. What a day. What an event on the west side of Chicago. And one for the ages at the United Center. Definitely the biggest game of the year for the Blackhawks. Probably the biggest game of the year for the Detroit Red Wings. I'm sure they're not hoping for that. But with everything that unfolded, for things that were planned, for things that weren't planned... If you were at the game, it's one you're never going to forget. If you just watch the game or listen to the game, it's probably one you're not going to forget either. I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live. We do this every week. Uh, recap the week that was in Blackhawks, I don't want to say history, but over the last uh, week for the Hawks. And we're just recapping everything that happened yesterday. Chris Chelios's seven retired up into the rafters. Patrick Kane's first return to the United Center since being traded last year. Connor Bedard's first action against Patrick Kane, and he didn't hold anything back either, but just the ending to it. And I know people have thrown around the phrase, and it's there's really no other way to put it, that you couldn't have scripted it any better. Our producer is Jack Heinrich. He was at the game as well. We had two producers at the game yesterday because we needed that for all the extra coverage. We had a couple of guys playing safety last night, just making sure that we had a microphone or an XLR plug anywhere that we needed it to be. I mean, we knew it was going to be significant. We knew it was going to be a ton of fun. We knew there was going to be a bunch of drama. But the way it unfolded still was just the icing on the cake. You could have removed the Chris Chelios situation And it still would have been the biggest game of the year for the Hawks. You could have removed the Patrick Kane situation. And it still would have been the biggest moment for the Hawks this year. Now, granted, a big part of that is where the Hawks are right now in the standings. But it's also just turning the page and moving from one chapter to another. But I feel like that transition period just got a whole lot longer because of the game that Patrick Kane had last night. I do want to get into the game, but I'm just going to go in chronological order because that's how yesterday went. I mean, it was a day that started at 1045 with Kane talking to the media in his, uh, rather it was a conference room at where the Detroit Red Wings stay, but we were there in the morning getting sound from Kane, just taking in his thoughts of what it'd be like to face his former team for the first time ever and One of the quotes I liked that he said was, coming into the city, it's just seeing that skyline, it still hits you a little bit different. 
and he knew that it was going to be very memorable and very emotional, but I think he did a very good job of soaking it all in, and in multiple different ways, because he first got recognized during Chris Chelios' speech, and I thought that was a very cool nod by Chelios. While we're on the subject of great ones from that era, I got to include him. This guy will go down as the greatest American-born player. Kaner, Patrick Kane, unbelievable. That jersey looks kind of funny, Kane. You're a big row on you. And don't worry, it'll work out in the end. You'll be standing here, same as me. But just be careful, don't go stealing my thunder today, okay? I got money on the board to shut you down. And he did. He did kind of steal his thunder because that's what Showtime does. But as great as the video tribute was in the first media timeout in the first period, and as great as that moment was, no video tribute, no standing ovation is still going to be enough for Blackhawks fans to give back to Patrick Kane for what he gave them. And I think the Chelios speech before this and Chelios bringing attention to Patrick Kane just was like a nice little appetizer of it all. It was just a great little ad that maybe you weren't expecting. Maybe Kane wasn't expecting it. I'm sure in the back of, a head he, back of his head he knew that. But that's also because Chris Chelios just knows everyone, obviously. I made the joke to Troy during the game that, why don't we just make Blackhawks games like Lakers games now? And we just have celebrities over all the time. I know... After one of the post-game shows, I was talking to Troy that it was feeling like a like a royal wedding. And then John Hansen chimed in and said the Chicago coronation is what it should be called. But it was cool. I mean, we obviously do our own pre-game show over on the, on the radio side of things. But on the TV side of things, it was, like, uh, it was like TMZ. They had the camera on in the suite. You see Eddie Vedder. You see Theo Epstein, Sidney Crawford. Wayne Gretzky, Mark Messier, Ty Domi. I mean, not just hockey celebrities. Kid Rock. I mean, as much flack as Chelios might get, probably not anymore, but might still get about having so many ties with the Red Wings and winning the Cup there. And obviously that still leaves a bad taste in some people's mouths. But you saw how many people he was connected to. You saw how many friends and friends of friends that he has. I mean, I don't think you get that if you're just in one bubble, and that is being just from and only been in Chicago. I know he grew up here, and then they moved to Malibu. So he's he's got connections there. But that's just the kind of guy he is. He's got this blanket over all these different places. And then... Bringing the attention to Patrick Kane just seems a little bit more natural that way because he's done that. He's been a loved and cherished Blackhawk, and now all of a sudden he's on the other side. And I love that he poked fun at it, too, because it just kind of lightens up the whole mood with that situation. I mean, I also love the 13,000 Detroit sucks chance that happened at the United Center, but it, I didn't go to too many games as a kid. I never was able to go to the old stadium. 
But you always hear about the roar and the Hawks and Wings rivalry and how heated those games were and how much the fans were into those games. I can't say last night reminded me of that because I've never really been to those. But out of all the stories that I've heard about it, it seemed like that's what it was like. So that was pretty cool. As nostalgic as the whole event was, bringing so much attention to the 90s and Chelios' impact on those 90s teams, it was also like turning back the clock to get back to one of those rivalry games. Chelios recognized so many people in his speech, but he was able to attach little stories with them, so it wasn't just naming names, it wasn't just going down a list, which he could have done. And that would have been fine too. We, We would have thought that was cool. But there was just something so personal and personable about his speech, and it was just so Chicago-centric, pointing out neighborhoods and mom-and-pop shops and talking about seeing Dit Butkus' nephews that morning, and how cool for him to realize, to know, and to recognize that he and Butkus are the only two Chicago-born athletes with their number retired for his Chicago team. I thought that was very cool. And even though he never got to play with the guys from the Hawks dynasty, he played against them, but he never got to play with them. He brought attention to them, too. He didn't have to do that. It makes sense why he did. It wasn't like, oh, wow, that's interesting. It wasn't surprising, but it it was just another unique nod to this whole situation. And there were Duncan Keith... Patrick Sharp, Marion Hosa sitting up in the suites, and then also another number seven. I'll never forget the day Brett Zebra called me and asked if he could wear my number. So I'm thinking to myself, geez, I don't know this kid, but what the hell? I'll let him wear it. And I'm glad I did. What a career Seabs had leading that team to three Stanley Cups. If you're still one of those people that think Brent Seabrook deserved this honor, more or in place of Chris Chelios. Number one, I disagree with you, but number two, I think this is why the Hawks did it this way. Because Chelios gets his day, and Brent Seabrook will get his day. And they are clearly on great terms with each other. There's clearly no animosity of that recognition only being for one player. I mean, how cool was last night? Now it gets to happen again. I mean, it's going to happen a lot of times with Kane, Taves, Keith, who knows how many more, but obviously with Brent Seabrook as well. So we get to do all that again eventually. Brent Seabrook gets to soak all that in where it's just about him, and it's not about him and Chris Chelios, or him also and Chris Chelios. I think that's why the Hawks did it that way, and I think that's a good move. And I'll say this, the Hawks are getting really good at this ceremony thing. I almost wonder and kind of worry if they just keep raising the bar this high. At some point, they're not going to be able to top themselves. Now, maybe it's a little different with last night because Chris Chelios has all these connections and all the celebrities there kind of came with him. But 
him coming in on the, I think it was a 1962 Cadillac, walking his mom out of said Cadillac, the extra video boards on the sides, the two different video montages, the circle of honor, I don't want to call it a ring of honor, at center ice and everyone who was there, all of Chelios, not all of Chelios' teammates, he wanted all of them to be there, but they got little video boards as well. I mean, there were little things added since Marion Hosa's number retirement. So who knows what's going to happen next. But again, the Hawks are really getting good at this. They really know how to throw a party. And they are making these moments milestone days for these athletes. So I think... It's good that a guy like Connor Bedard is there witnessing all this, thinking, well, he probably won't admit that he's thinking this, because he's probably a, a guy that just lives in the moment and soaks it all in and doesn't think too far ahead. But it's kind of not it's it's kind of hard to see all that and just not think, man, what would it be like if I were to get that? Some people don't think that too far down the road, and obviously it is I mean, you're an elite company. Kane wouldn't admit to daydreaming about it, even though that's pretty much money in the bank that that's happening. But it's quite an example to set what can happen if you're able to achieve greatness with this organization. And hopefully some of the young guys on the current Hawks Hawks roster were able to soak that in a little bit more. We got a couple more stories, one from Chris Chelios, one from Jeremy Roenick, that you might not heard of last night with everything going on. We're going to play those. We're going to recap the game as well and just continue to relive last night at the United Center. This is Blackhawks Live, 720 WGN. We're recapping one of the best nights in recent memory at the United Center, which was last night. The Blackhawks retiring. Chris Chelios is number seven. And yeah. They did lose the game in overtime to one of their former own in Patrick Kane, who is now on the Detroit Red Wings. I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live on 720 WGN. Our producer is Jack Heinrich. Uh, we, do've got, we do have the 730 news coming up, but a couple extra stories that we gathered during yesterday's festivities. If you heard the speech, Chris Chelios mentioned how being traded to Chicago was the greatest day of his life. And it it makes sense. I mean, he gets to come back home. He gets to continue playing in the NHL, but now uh, with his hometown team. And I actually asked Troy Murray about that, who was on that team, and he said how bittersweet it was because it was one for one, Chris Chelios for Dennis Savard, but it was also a homecoming for Dennis Savard. So it was a trade that made sense for both teams and obviously worked out for both teams and ended up working out for both guys as well. They were eventually both teammates and now Both of their numbers are retired up into the rafters. But here's one thing you might not have heard about, and it has to deal with the day before Chris Chelios got traded to the Chicago Blackhawks. Someone asked Gary Suter the other day, uh, I don't care at this point, but the day I got traded to Chicago, I was actually in jail the night before. I don't know if you guys knew this. I don't care. It's a fight, street fight, no big deal. But, and Pulley called me up and says, "If that's the worst thing you've done, don't worry about it. It'll be fine." But 
A street fight, no big deal. Uh, by the way, that sound was not just like in a bar. Uh, that was actually the Chris Chelios post-speech press conference, just kind of a, a different setup that the Hawks provided. Um, I know it sounds like we got that sound off the cuff, maybe from TMZ, but no, he uh, he voluntarily told that to the media. Um, but it, it's just that, again, that is very Chris Chelios. So for the moment, all dialed up on stage at center ice, being traded to Chicago was the greatest day of my life. And then later on in the basement, he's saying, yeah, I was in jail the night before. <laughs> no big deal, just a street fight. Pat Foley had a Q&A session with a handful of Chelios' teammates, Tony Amani, uh, Eddie Belfour, Jeremy Roenick, and uh, here's another little sliver of a story from Jeremy Roenick. And I think there was one time during um, one of the seasons we, we would go out the night before a game to a bar, have a couple cocktails, and Chelly was into uh, arm wrestling. And he'd take, a, take on anybody in the bar for 100 bucks. doesn't matter how big you were. And we didn't pay for a drink for like six months. <laughs> Chelly beat everybody through Canada and United States in an arm wrestling match, and it wasn't even close. I'm sure a lot of other people have stories like that. Uh, this from the text line, Dan from the 847 area code. That 1962 Cadillac was his car, and 1962 was the year he was born. Yeah, I did know it was the year he was born, but I, the, the exact year kind of escaped me, so I didn't want to uh, age him incorrectly. And apparently Cadillacs are like well-known to be in the Chelios family, so that's why it was significant for him to roll out with that, but... <laughs> What an entrance. How, how do you beat that? I'm not quite sure. Uh, we've got the next half hour after the 7.30 news to talk about the game because, again, the game was a spectacle in its own. And it it's pretty cool how it was almost separated. You had the Chelios ceremony, and then the game took place, so you had the Patrick Kane ceremony. And a few things were planned, and one thing wasn't planned, but... Man, how do you write it any better? We'll talk about last night's game, a 3-2 overtime loss at the mercy of Patrick Kane. But first, we got to get to Ron Brown from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. It's also nice that the next Hawks game isn't until Thursday. Still another five-game homestand, but the Hawks are going to host the Colorado Avalanche. That'll be a tough matchup. A couple days of practice, get to kind of... Cool off after all the festivities yesterday. I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live. We're recapping last night at the United Center. Chris Chelios night, Patrick Kane night, kind of Connor Bedard night. And I was really hoping it'd be a Connor Bedard night. And I, I want to get into that because with with everything that was going on and we knew that emotions were going to be high and adrenaline was going to be pumping, that... The game was not probably going to disappoint, and man, did it do anything but that. I I can't even tell you what happened, really, in the first period. I know Detroit scored late in that period, but everything after the Chelios ceremony was just leaning towards, okay, like, can't wait to see that video tribute with Patrick Kane. He got another ovation when Gene Honda read the starting lineup, and then everyone just waiting for that first media timeout. Another great video tribute put on by the Hawks. Again, no video tribute. Nothing will do justice to have Hawks fans repay Patrick Kane the way that he honored all of them with his contributions to the three Stanley Cups. But it was quite an effort. Great video. Lights go dim. Crowd goes wild. 
and three curtain calls for Patrick Kane. The lights come back on, and he just keeps skating out there. He said later on that he wasn't sure if it was too many or not enough curtain calls. It sounds like Alex DeBrinkett was trying to shove him to do another one, maybe a fourth one, but I mean, even Patrick Kane is a guy that is probably just like, okay, yeah, let's let's just drop the puck. Let's let's keep on moving forward. But it was a good game by the Hawks, too. Let's let's not forget that. They they had a very solid first two periods, out shooting Detroit, and they even had a two one lead going into the third period. It looked like it was going to be a Connor Bedard goal, but it ended up going off of Nick Felino. Either way, a Connor Bedard point. And it wasn't just Bedard's offensive game, as he showed a little physicality with Patrick Kane, and then Kane had something to say about that. Great player, kind of creative. Got a little physical on me in the corner there, so he's lucky he had the bubble on or I was going after it. I saw it right before we went downstairs where we do the post-game show, but it was it was a nice little aggressive hit by Connor Bedard, and you're still seeing that feistiness in him. You're... You're not seeing him back down. It was just the other game that he was going up against one of the guys in the Winnipeg Jets, and then Anthony Beauvillier swooped in, but it's not like Bedard was backing down. And it's also as much respect as he has for Patrick Kane and as much as you know he honors him, and I know Kane called Bedard once Bedard got drafted. I mean, that's just two guys just playing hockey and not letting the moment get ahead of what's what's at stake and what's at stake is trying to win a hockey game. Well, if you didn't know, Detroit is on a playoff push. And they're playing really good hockey right now and acquiring Patrick Kane definitely was a shot in the arm for them. He was hurt for a little bit in the middle there, but it seems like all things are go for Kane since this hip surgery. I mean, there is Nothing there that seems like, nah, you might not have it as much anymore because he's just, he's a point per game right now. I mean, he's doing Patrick Kane things. Alex Dabrinkit ties up the game in the third period, and what do you know? We go to overtime. And with all the drama that was going on throughout the entire day, I thought, how cool would it be for Connor Bedard to put this one on ice? For Connor Bedard, the new potential face of the Blackhawks, hopefully face of the next successful, maybe even Stanley Cup winning Chicago Blackhawks team to take the reins from Patrick Kane and his return back and stake his claim as, as the newest, best Blackhawk, hopefully in the future. You know, no disrespect to what Patrick Kane has done. And. How about all the flack that Luke Richardson got in the last game for not putting Bedard out there on the ice to begin overtime? That didn't happen last night. Connor Bedard was out there immediately. And his stick broke for the second time. Our own Jack Heinrich, before he was going into the dressing rooms, he's like, that's the second time that's happened. And I just thought, oh man, like what a buzzkill. What a bummer there. Like This is what we want to see. We want... As rough as this season has been, how exciting, how enlightening would it be for Connor Bedard to score the game-winning overtime goal and just put a damper on Detroit's playoff push? Not that it would derail it or anything, and Detroit still got a point regardless, but 
I mean, it just that was the perfect ending to me. That's what was going on in my head. And I said this on the postgame show. We're right next to the Detroit coaching staff. Not the one behind the bench, but the guys in the video room. We're in the basement of the United Center. We're in this gray cinder block room. It's kind of a little dreary. Not complaining. Love everything about this job. But we watch the game on a TV up in the corner, and it's delayed. So I know we're in overtime. I know the Hawks are getting some chances because here they come down the ice, and you, you hear Detroit's coaching staff kind of moan a little bit. But then they go, oh, here we go. You know, you hear this faintly, and then they start celebrating. And we're still 30 seconds behind, more or so. And you think, okay, game's over. Darn, what a bummer. Detroit won. And then we're thinking, wait a second. Kane is still on the ice. Oh, man, there he goes on a breakaway. No way. This is how this ends. No way. So basically, you just, and I'm talking on a personal level here, you just get into work mode. Okay. We got the post game show coming up. We got this much time allotted. We're going to have Troy for this much time. You know, your, your brain just starts turning. And I really wasn't paying attention to much of what was going on the ice. First of all, Patrick Kane tying up the game. That's our cue the shot, which is brought to you by Curveball Whiskey. Over the red wing line, drop past Jones, high slot, moving in. Jones, right circle, fires. Ah, big save made by Reimer. Now a pass oh, out no. the zone by Dubrick and Kane. In overtime for the win over the Hawk line on the slot. Shoots, he scores! Patrick Kane, the former Blackhawk, coming back to the United Center, winning this game in overtime for the Detroit Red Wings. 3-2 to two is the final score, and what an exciting end to an exciting evening. As Patrick Kane is welcomed back to the United Center, by the fans he adored for so long, only to break their hearts with an overtime goal. There's a little blip of Troy there at the end. He just says, yeah, we're going to play that in a moment, the rest of it. First of all, well, actually, first of all, Cue the Shot is brought to you by Curveball, the original barbecue whiskey. Join the Bonehead Nation today at CurveballWhiskey.com. It's real cool stuff. It's a smoky uh, whiskey. It's fairly new. It, you got to try it with a pickleback. That's what they're going for. It's if, if you're a whiskey fan, it's definitely something you got to try and have at your bar. I've never heard John say Patrick Kane in that tenor. I mean, it was John Weidman's first game calling a Patrick Kane game where he's not on the Blackhawks. Obviously, it was Kane's first game against the Blackhawks, but... It was just weird to hear him say Patrick Kane wins the game in overtime or something along those lines without the complete jubilation that we all know and love of John Weideman's calls. And I I, got to say, John was kind of going towards the aspect that I was going towards. Man, what a night. What a great up and down day. And darn it, the Hawks lost in overtime. But you know what? Troy Murray was the voice of reason for both me and John Weideman. Here's what he had to say after John's call. But look at the crowd down here. I mean, they are cheering for Patrick Kane. They know how special he was. He, they know how much he meant to this franchise. And he just waits and waits and then throws it up into the top corner over the glove. And there was more, too. He was the number one star. He gets one last salute. And it probably is better that it ended this way. And I know that's a controversial take. Believe me, I saw the text last night. I do think it was more of 50-50. But let's be honest, Blackhawks fans. 
if somebody is going to ruin your night, if you want to call it that, if someone's going to beat you in overtime, and at that juncture, at that type of moment, I think you'd want it to be Patrick Kane. Believe me, I wanted Bedard to end it. Of course I wanted the Hawks to win. But I I wanted Bedard to end it just for the the drama, the storyline. And selfishly, the post-game show. But with Kane ending it, not Bedard, I think that adds just a little bit more to Patrick Kane's legacy. Not that he needed it. Patrick Kane could retire at the end of last year. Hall of Famer. Probably still the best American-born hockey player. Blackhawk legend. All the accolades. But no. He's got more to do. He's got more to say. He's got more to add to his legacy. And who's there watching it all? Who's there soaking all this in? And maybe, again, I know his stick broke, but maybe he had a chance to end it and really steal the show? Connor Bedard. No, he doesn't need more motivation. That kid is one of the most hardworking people I've ever seen, let alone a teenager. He's also a hockey historian, like Kane was. No, he doesn't need to witness something like that, a moment like that, to soak in what makes hockey so special or make sports so special. But I think we all saw once again what made Patrick Kane so special. And he continues to do it in front of us at the United Center where he became so special. And I also think, in a weird way, it's also just a little reminder by Patrick Kane to all of us, yeah, I'm still here, and I'm still this great, and I'm still able to do these types of things. So now who knows how much longer he'll go, because I feel like he just refilled the tank. And it's going to be fun to break down his career when it is officially all said and done. But if we thought that we're on chapter 19 of his 20-chapter book, I feel like he just added another 400 pages. Maybe. We'll just have to wait and see. We're going to wrap up Blackhawks Live next, 720 WGN. One last stop on Blackhawks Live. Again, the Hawks continue home. They host the Colorado Avalanche on Thursday night. It'll be an 8 o'clock puck drop, a 7.30 FanDuel Sportsbook pregame show. You know, it's honestly a little weird to be talking about the next game. There was just so much of an emphasis put on this game last night that it's it's kind of funny to, to just be moving on, but that's how the world works. And uh, we're also moving on to Jack Heinrich, who's got our uh, look around the league and other things. What's going Actually, Jack, what, what was your main takeaway from last night you were there? Um, I mean, mainly just that the UC and Chelios knows how to throw a party. Yeah. I mean, that was just like a spectacle kind of to be at. Yeah, I mean, again, I feel like they might be setting the bar a little bit too high because yeah. at some point they're not going to be able to top themselves. At least I don't think so, but who knows? With all the surprises that they've had, maybe maybe they've got more. Yeah, it was it was cool, too, to see uh, Chelios just shout out everybody, like you said. You kind of touched on that um, and just how 
yeah, I mean, it was he's just a lot of fun. You can tell why all those people like him. What do you got for us? Um, I got some I got some fun ones I think um, for this week. Um, so on Saturday, um, the Islanders were down three to nothing in the third period, and with seven fifty three left, Patrick Waugh pulled the goalie, um, and they actually scored on it and made it kind of more of a game, and they got it down to three to two. But then um, they ended up losing four to two. But it made me think of that post game show when the caller was mad. I think this was this year that Luke Richardson didn't pull the goalie when they were down by like three or four. It yeah. just made me think of that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's funny. Well, uh, I uh, good on you for bringing it up. Obviously, the Islanders and Hawks are in two different, two totally different situations. But uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes I feel like that's just a coaching feel thing too, and the situation's got to be right. Like, how much time is left? Who are you going up against? Where is the puck? Is this the right time to pull right here? Right. Um, And I think it might be, yeah, very circumstantial. But no, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So, what did Brendan do that just made your mic sound a million times better? There's a button on here. I think the morning <laughs> the morning show they they do like control room Joe and so he puts like a tin on it. No way. And I didn't know how to fix That's the, an effect? Yeah. I didn't know how to fix the tin. So I'm glad you talked for like thirty seconds so I could turn around and ask him how to not sound like I'm hundred feet underwater. Yeah, but. no, and a submarine <laughs> helping us produce the show. Thanks to uh, Brendan Rook. He's the producer of the John Landecker show. It's coming up right after this. Uh, okay, continue now. Fully transparent, yeah, Jack Heinrich. Now, now it sounds better. Uh, so I've they've shown these. If you go to like the United Center, they've shown like those ads on the video board. And I mean, we've been to so many games that kind of turns the background noise. But they have like this new uh, thing they're showing, like the Edge stats. I don't know if you ever looked into that. Yes. Um, so I was just looking at NHL.com today, and it said Rasmus Dahlin from the Buffalo Sabres. He had the longest skating distance this year in a game, and it was over four miles over the weekend. I just thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, those are those are those facts that are either going to like really tickle your brain or just make people mad at the TV. Right. Like, why do I need to know that? I yeah. think actually Troy was poking fun at it once. <laughs> well, it tickled my brain. <laughs> I will say, I, I like how, I don't think they did this in the last game because another cool thing, just nice little touch that they did at the UC was had that 8-bit arcade right. uh, Atari font throughout the video board. But they typically have how long everyone is out there on the ice on their shifts. And honestly, one time I was looking at that, I'm like, you know, that's like... 45 seconds, 42 seconds, 41 seconds. Like, what's the point of that at one point? But the last game, not last night, but two games ago against the Winnipeg Jets, there was a shift where the Hawks were doing a good job keeping it pinned in the Jets' zone, and everybody's shift time was, like, over two minutes. Yeah. And that was the first time I, like, really referenced it. And I thought, huh, wow, that's very useful right here. That's actually a, a great little addition on the video board. Yeah, so I just thought it was interesting. He skated 4.9 miles as, like, the fifth most in the last since they've tracked it. So, I mean, that's Now, was that all year or? All year, yeah. yeah. So this is, like, fifth most since they've tracked it since, uh, like, two. I think the, the most is Connor, is Connor McDavid. He skated over five miles in 2022. So whenever they started tracking it, I just thought that was interesting because they're always just flying around. And it's, it's not like a stat that you can use to, like, say, oh, see how much harder they're working. Because, right. Because <laughs> time on ice still plays a role, and McDavid makes sense because he skates so fast mm-hmm. that he's just he's able to cover a lot more ground more quickly, and he's got the puck a lot more. Yeah, so. and he's looping back to get the puck and right. all that stuff. And then there's kind of a fun one um, to end on. J.J. Watt tweeted over the weekend that he got gear from his brother, hockey gear from his brother in Bauer Hockey. I guess he grew up playing hockey. 
Um, and he always got stuff from Played Against Sports, but now he got like top tier gear from Bauer. And I just think it would be funny to see a six foot five, almost three hundred pound man on skates. Well, that's why we're hoping to see <laughs> Travis Kelsey maybe in a Blackhawks. Exactly. Sport. So NFL players. Big hockey fans. Jack, good stuff. Thank you. Thank you. That's Jack Heinrich. He's our producer. Big thanks to him. Big thanks to Kevin Wells for all the help last night at the United Center as well. That does it for Blackhawks Live. Thanks for listening.